Welcome to Wisdom, Love, and Beauty, a podcast for the soul and the home of dangerous wisdom. This is Dr. Nikos, your friendly neighborhood soul doctor, and here we are at another week of Yijing Insights, guidance from the sacred science of synchronicity. This week, when asked, what is the most important thing for all my listeners to know, Yijing offers hexagram 17 which we can call following. Following might seem boring, but it has a profound archetypal significance. And it might be important to consider how following relates to leading, because dangerous wisdom has a lot to say on the art of leadership, which is a popular topic, certainly in the business realm, but even culturally. What does it mean to be a good leader? A place I like to look at as, you could say, an object lesson. That's the phrase we use, although it sounds terrible. It's not an object. But looking at the practice of tango teaches us something about these two archetypal characters of leader and follower. And in our minds, naturally or habitually, maybe we don't even do this consciously. It certainly has an unconscious dimension, but consciously we might think about all the non-duality and all of this. But in a habitual way, we separate these two things. We think the leader leads and the follower follows. But the leader can't just do whatever they want. In order to lead well, the leader must be led by the music, by the moment, by the mystery, and certainly by their dance partner as well as the other dancers or observers. You know, if it's a performance, the people observing will affect the way the dance goes in, in the best case. And if you're on a dance floor, if you go to a milonga, or it's a tango dance, you have all these other couples, the leader just can't do whatever they want because they have to navigate the dance floor. And this just helps to bring out that archetypal nature of the leader and the archetypal lesson that leader must follow along with things. If they force their will onto their followers and onto the community of life, that leads to tragedy. And sometimes the leader has to face that tragedy themselves. That's what we learn when we read the tragedies of the great ancient Greek masters. Sophocles, Aeschylus, Euripides, which we a lot of us had to read in college or in high school, or maybe just because you were interested. They teach us about the consequences of asserting our will onto other beings and onto the community of life as a whole, especially irrespective of what the divine might think or what sacredness demands. What, in general, what larger forces demand from us and inevitably work in, through, and as us in these situations. We're not just doing whatever we want. It doesn't, that doesn't exist. But that doesn't stop us from trying. We, we just behave that way. It's the default orientation, particularly of conquest consciousness. And it pervades our culture. What are you supposed to do? You set up a goal, you set up an aim, and then you go get it. You pursue it. And no one can stop us. And that's a, a lot of what the self-help catastrophe is. It's this mistaken understanding of what leadership means. By default, we try to lead the whole world. Because obviously, the whole world has to comply with our conscious purposes when we pursue them. That's the way it works. It has to do with the reality of the interwovenness of all things. 
once we truly realize and accept the interwovenness of all things, then we humbly begin to follow, at least a little bit, hopefully, only by means of a subtle and profound following of life and its mysteries, following of the imperatives of the sacred, cosmic kinds of obligations that we have. Only by following those things can we lead others with vitality and skill in such a way that our leadership serves the greater good in a real sense. I've seen people start meetings this way. Well, let's all just set the intention that what we're going to do here will be for the greater good, but everyone still just pursues their agendas. It's hard for us to follow. It's like it's an insult, especially in in a conquest consciousness culture. And we don't want to become a doormat. That's not what being a follower is either. But we don't want our leadership to create unforeseen harms, and that's what it will inevitably do if we just pursue our agenda. And those harms can remain invisible to us, maybe for the whole of our lives. They might be unfolding, and we see them even. We might see them and say, oh, what a shame that happened. We don't see how it traces back to us. Or we just might not notice them at all. They're just totally unconscious. They happen in some other, it's in Africa or somewhere else where the consequences of our leadership unfold in a way that's more evident as far as the negative side effects, the harms. And so that's why the ancient Greek uh, tragedians did what they did. They tried to dramatize this for us, to show us. You know, it's like a a revelation, an apocalypse, you know, which means a revelation because we see it unfold. And it helps us to become more humble and then to seek teachings of wisdom, love, and beauty that could help us live with greater skill and poise and would help leaders to have the humility they need to begin to follow as part of leading, as integral, inseparable. The thing about the interwovenness of life is we like it as a platitude, but we don't seem to respect it as a reality and as a law. We, l- we like the idea that everything is connected, but we're sure as heck not going to let that interconnectedness stop us from doing anything we want, whether it means making us think twice about the company we want to start or the company we want to go work for or preventing us from buying the car we want or taking the vacation we want. When it comes to our personal desires and comforts, we want to lead and have the world follow Now, it might seem shocking to suggest that when we act on the basis of conscious purposes, we seek to lead the whole world, essentially by forcing our whims on it, but that's what interwovenness means. Every lead we make requires following steps from all the other dancers, or we just trample on them. That happens plenty, too. When we watch a great tango leader We may think they just impose their will on the follower, but no follower finds that a very enjoyable experience. Every follower wants the sense of having their body, mind, and heart respected and heard. They want their own creativity nurtured and expressed. The leader's there to nurture, to bring it out by following it. And both the leader and the follower want to dance 
in a way that attunes with the music and with the other dancers and with the feeling of the moment, the feeling between two dancers. We might dance the same song radically differently with two different followers if we were a leader. You lead your own mother to that song, feels one way. You lead your life partner or your child in that same song, and it has to be different. There's meaning there that we want to, to listen to and let it guide us. I feel like the dance happens by itself, that the dance dances itself. Then the leader can say, well, I didn't really do anything. I just was in attunement. And again, otherwise we create a mess. We start pumping into everyone. We trample over the other dancers, trample over the music, trample over the creativity of our follower and the whole room. That's a lot, a lot of things lost. Losing out on that whole ecology of mind for the sake of our agenda, which we're so sure about. But to get out of the messes we create for ourselves and others and to become leaders in our own lives and maybe in our culture or in our group of friends or our family, we need to follow. We have to attune to how things are, and then skillfully co-discover and co-create the potentials implicit or embedded in the whole ecology of mind that will best serve the whole community of life. Even listening to Yijing is part of that. You're doing it now. This is the beginning. We're practicing together this art of following, this archetypal art of following, because Yijing talks to us about patterns at work in a given situation, archetypal patterns, archetypal patternings of primordial awareness. We engage with them so as to attune to them, to follow them, and to invite co-creation and co-discovery in, through, and as those larger patterns so that we can arrive at genuine success in our life, and so that we can cultivate the whole of life onward. So tune in to the world around you this week. Attunement. Following. Follow. Follow nature. Follow others. Notice how you could begin to lead by first being truly led deeply. Reflect on this archetypal patterning and see how it goes. Next time we'll have some further insights. Maybe look at, once again, a single moving line. We've been getting kind of lucky. That makes the reading a little simpler. Only have to look at that one moving line. Once again, one moving line from Yu Jing. In the meantime, if you have questions, reflections, or stories of synchronicity to share, send them in through dangerouswisdom.org. We might bring some of them into a future contemplation. Until then, this is Dr. Nikos, your friendly neighborhood soul doctor, reminding you that your soul and the soul of the world are not two things. Take good care of them.